This is going to be yet another shitty podcast. Yasp. The socially distanced approach to podcasting, if I may. Of course, but then again, even if there wasn't a COVID-19, I don't think we would have been able to do it any, any other way, you know. I have a living different cities. We're geographically distanced people. So. Yeah. We are geographically distant and we are socially distant. Uh, yeah, and artistically distant, you know, because I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm not comfortable seeing other humans for long periods of time. I can't get behind that. Uh, this show is not going to have a particular structure, not because we're like... Let let it be free of uh, all that rigmarole because we're two idiots that can't make it structural. You know, it's just exactly. Yeah, it's going to be a free flow, whatever. I mean, as Paul McCartney famously said, "Let it be." So, I'm gonna start by talking about the new Justin Roiland show, Solar Opposites. Well, I think before we do that, just before we do that, I don't think people know us. Oh, yeah. Is it important, though? I mean, I, I think get another shitty podcast. But if they want to reference, not reference, if they want to, if anyone listens to this, which I doubt, if they want to say that there are two guys and one of them is number one and number two. So just to make it a little easier for them to address us, uh, I'm Ami Reza and you are... Ali. Okay. Which is a girl's name, but here it's a boy's name. Really? Is that a girl's name? Where exactly is that a girl's name? It's short for Allison. Isn't that, isn't that Ali? I know it's... But I haven't heard Ali. No, no, it's Ali. Whatever it is. <laughs> With the same... It's, it's, it's yours is not short for anything. It's just... Yeah, yeah, it's thing. a name. <laughs> yeah, okay. There is no... Because there is a famous guy with my last name called Ali Reza. I'm not him either. Of course. And uh, we're 20 whatever years old. We're in our 20s, early 20s. And uh, I think that's about what you need to know. Yeah. So let's jump to Solar Opposites now. Yes, Solar Opposites. What did you think? I binged it uh, today and I... It's short. I mean, it's eight episodes. Each episode is about 20 minutes. And you detract the I don't know, opening and stuff like that, probably 18 minutes. So it took, I guess, less than four hours. Much less than four hours. Let's see. Three episodes, one hour, two about two and a half hours. And it's not like BoJack, which requires you to watch and then sit back and reflect. You can oh, just, yeah. you can just watch them. I admit to checking my phone whilst I was watching it because it's uh, not that engaging of a show it doesn't require yeah, yeah. attention yeah. Um, before I talk about a detailed analysis 
if I'm ever gonna do that after the show. I'm gonna just say that it's basically Rick and Morty if they try to have an arc about a specific, uh, I don't know, planet. I know it's on Earth, but I'm just saying that it's it's a side story of Rick and Morty to me. It's nothing more than that. I I usually compare it to Disenchantment. I don't know if you've seen that or not. Yeah, I watched that one too. Yeah. Uh, you know how Disenchantment is exactly like Futurama, but has like a new coat of paint? Uh, yeah, but go that's, on, I'm going to say something. Th- okay, okay. to me, that's Solo Opposite. Solo Opposite feels like some rejected ideas for Rick and Morty that were given a new coat of paint. Uh, I don't think it's about rejected ideas, and I don't think it's... In some ways, it's exactly like Disenchantment, and in some ways, it's not. Disenchantment is, as much as it is like Futurama, it's also... I'm not going to say it was successful at doing it, but it's trying to be in another universe. Uh, It's trying to be a medieval whatever, and it's trying to be a little more child-friendly in some ways. (laughs) And it's not trying to... Uh, change the way the story is told, though. I mean, uh, with Solar Opposites, I think Justin Roiland is trying to show that he can, in fact, make a show about more than two characters. Of course, that is supposedly the case with Rick and Morty, too, but let's be honest, no one really cares about anyone other than Rick and Morty. And, uh, if that's his intention, I... I'm gonna say he's not very successful in solo opposites uh, either. Yes, because he can't do that. I think I personally think he's not capable of creating probably more than one character. And this brings us to the voice acting. <laughs> oh, yes, uh, the voice acting, the voice quote unquote acting. <laughs> uh, I mean, for many people, maybe they only know Justin Roiland from Rick and Morty. But I have heard him in Adventure Time 2 as a guest voice actor, I guess, and... Uh, Lemon Grab was his name? I think in the kind of, like, the result, the result of an incestuous relationship kind of candy, was it? <laughs> yeah, it was a lemon head. Literally yeah, and, a lemon head. And that episode takes place before uh, um, Rick and Morty, right? I, I mean, think so. I know he has a cameo in Gravity Falls too. He's the time agent. Yeah, but that's a different story. Yeah, I know, but that's a different. And even that sounds like just like him. Yeah, and he's a video game. Whoever saves the <laughs> yeah, universe. Yeah, yeah. He's. I'm just trying to say that probably, and not probably, definitely, this guy invented this voice, quote unquote, acting. Probably in the like. 2008 or something and uh, ever since I mean you have to see when uh, Doc and Marty came out because that also has the same voice. Oh that I haven't watched then this is basically this guy only made one voice. Exactly. And then it... Two, Rick and Morty the uh, yeah. oh god geez, yeah, yeah. Two, two voices and they've been 
I don't know what to say, extrapolated into every possible incarnation of a character. Exactly. And, uh, and okay, so the main guy in Solar Opposites is called uh, Clavo, was it? Yeah, Corvo. Corvo, yeah. And I mean... Like, like the Dishonored if, character. Yeah, I mean, if you can't remember the guy's name after binging the whole thing, it means that your character building is subpar. Anyhow, uh, Corvo is a highly intelligent, not genius as in Rick genius, but highly intelligent alien who is... Uh, who has no shortage of weird gadgets and sci-fi stuff, as they put it themselves. And he has a sidekick, uh, what's his name? Terry. Yeah, Terry. Who is not as idiotic or as hysterical as Morty, but just, you know, the combination is kind of the same, and the most of the focus... It's more Rick and Jerry, in my opinion. Uh, but he's not a loser. He's a you know, this guy kicks back and enjoys his time. Yeah, it's Jerry if Jerry had confidence. Yeah, if Jerry had confidence and didn't care. If that was yeah. the character, that would be Terry. And so, yeah, we have these guys, which are usually together. And then we have uh, two the replicants. kids. The replicants, yeah, two kids. Jesse and... Uh, Yamulak, I think. Yamulak, yeah, something like that. And... Uh, uh, the dog, the pupa. The pupa, yeah. Which we're not going to spoil what this guy is supposed to be, but that's basically yeah. probably... What's the name of that kid in The Simpsons? Uh, Ma Maggie. Maggie, yeah. That's the Maggie of this show. It's just... Yeah. It's very it's much disrupted after The Simpsons, but instead of Homer being the idiotic one, Homer is the genius one here. Yeah, and... Um, you have a sweet kid, which is your Lisa, and is the girl. You have a troublemaking boy, which is the Yamulak. Uh, that's, that's the whole thing. Rick and Morty itself was a parody of Doctor Who. And yeah. Solar Opposites is like further up from Sun meets The Simpsons. Yeah, and we can all we can say all of this stuff, but we we need to ask the real question: Why does it exist? Money. This is something I can't find an answer to. Why does it exist? Because this guy could, and because because it's Justin Roiland and Hulu desperately needed and you know a rival not a rival it's the latter Hulu desperately needed a show that wasn't Star Trek <laughs> yeah and Justin Roiland was like I have a bunch of ideas that don't you know don't yeah. make it in any of my other projects. Dan Harmon probably rejects a lot of them and he says, well, fuck you, I'm going to make my own show. Yeah, and one weird thing about this show is that it has, it references real world a lot. I mean, the brands, the movies, uh, the incidents, it's just uh, to the point that you wonder, well, like, why, why even is that there? It's just, what's the point? Sometimes the point to me was that it's just advertisement, nothing more. Yeah, it, it might be. The name PlayStation is dropped many times. Why? It's out of place. It doesn't serve any purpose. 
and could have easily been replaced with a made-up name if they were trying to say gaming console. And yet, much like uh, the licensing thing, I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg. Did Sony came to them and say we pay you a lot of money to advertise our console, or did? Justin Roiland went to Sony and said, we'll pay you a lot of money so we can use the name of your console. Uh, I think they have a good relationship with Sony, given the fact that I think that their game is an exclusive to PlayStation, right? The, the oh, VR to ever save the world? Yeah. I think so. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, but there's this paradox, not a paradox, there's this uh, anachronism uh, in it, like regular show regular show we don't we never know when that show is taking place but the tech is i mean the video games they play are 80s video games and video game consoles yet the formats they use after a while it changes from vhs to dvd like that's a huge jump yeah. and uh, they have youtube yeah and they have everything together and you're like is this nostalgia is this idiocy what is this and here in one of the first episodes the guy talks if i i wonder i think it's uh terry that says it if, i wonder if uh oh yeah it's about um fun what's the stupid character's name fun fun bucket, bucket. yeah fun bucket and uh, they're on they're in line to see fun bucket and he says i wonder if he's a nintendo guy or a sega guy and this is an 80s and be at best 90s saying. And then we see this guy using a Nintendo Switch and then it's PlayStation 4 all over the place. I mean, Nintendo or Sega is this? And then there's PlayStation 4. Why do they exist in the same series? Why not use PS or Xbox? The console walls of now yeah and why change from nintendo i mean the guy is obsessed with nintendo and then it's playstation everywhere i mean <laughs> it's weird i know it's not important in the storytelling but it's it's it really ruins the immersion uh, the atmosphere the world the the facts of this world i mean what are we facing here because when they said Nintendo or Sega, I was like, oh, maybe they're in 90s America. But then I realized he's playing Nintendo Switch and there's PlayStation 4. I have and a I was... sort of a theory for that. My theory is that Justin Roiland, as a creator, is kind of a one-trick pony. Uh... His, his humor, his references, all he does is the... I don't know if you've seen this... YouTube videos that everything you used to love as a kid was bad and was teaching you to be like a Nazi or something. And that yeah. is Justin Roiland's whole deal. The fact is, um, he uses these sitcom tropes to create like a cynical narrative, which is not a bad thing, but when you do it in two TV shows, when you do it in your all of your video games, you, yeah, it just loses it. Can't you do something else for once? I mean, I love you, man, but <laughs> do something else. The thing about Solo Opposites is that I'm going to do a historical reference. Sergio Leone, until the 80s, was a one-trick pony because his style, 
it only worked in Western mm-hmm. because he wasn't allowed to do anything else. He, it only worked in Westerns. And so he was a one-trick pony. And if Sergio Leone had died after Sucker, I would have agreed that, well, he was a good director, but he didn't do anything else. Outside of his comfort zone. Okay. Exactly. But when he made Once Upon a Time in America, he proved to us that, no, I can make my style work outside of this genre. Now, Justin uh-huh. Roland isn't a fat Italian man, so I'm pretty sure he has a very long life in front of him. And I'm hoping the next project, because Solo Opposite, it's, it's not it. And yeah. I, I hope the next project be at least something else. Improv is fun. But when all of your humor is based upon improv... It loses its meaning. Yeah. How many times do we have to hear, like, weird-sounding words? Googlers. Fun bucket. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. They, they are fun, but... And the reason I said at first it feels like a 90s show, because Fun Bucket, the commercial tv commercial that uh fun bucket was coming to their mall all of that felt 90s and it was a nostalgic episode i mean the, the guy was like let's make a 90s episode about stupid characters we grew up with as kids and it's been done i would argue in a much better way in regular shows so and that thing that show is all about nostalgia in all its good ways and bad ways. So this one just doesn't really work for me. I understand. Remember, these storylines, I would argue, almost all of the storylines in Solo Opposites, they are sitcom tropes. We have seen Simpsons episodes like them, Family Guy episodes like them, South Park episodes like them. Yeah, It's like one of those mirror universe stuff. What if Rick and Morty did those episodes? The problem is Rick and Morty does those episodes too. So what are we watching? And one of the things that made this show not important or valuable to me, but I understood why Justin Roiland would be kind of excited about it, is the uh, the world that uh, the replicants have created in their room. What what is oh, it called? The wall. Yeah, The Wall. The Wall is, uh, it's a genre uh, in and of itself. The, I mean, the, the movie, The Skyscraper. Yeah, it's a, it's a cliched story. Yeah, it's, it's a cliched story, but I'm just saying that this is the kind of story you can't tell in Rick and Morty because it requires more than one episode. Yeah, I, I, I get that. Which yeah, I think and... comes down to the fact that Rick and Morty is a, a weekly show, but Solo Opposites is a streaming show. So you have more... Um, yeah, that freedom. and also you really can't continue a sub-story in Rick and Morty for more than yeah. most two episodes. But this has been going for like five episodes, I guess. So yeah, uh, but why does it exist? The problem is... I I like Justin Roiland, and let me say this. If you like Rick and Morty, you're going to like Solo Opposite. It's not a bad show. I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad show. I'm not saying that either. Yeah. But the problem is, um, Solo Opposite, it's just amplifying a problem that Rick and Morty also has. Solo Opposite is taking like this movie parodies, these cliched stories, 
tells them exactly that way, then at the last 10 seconds just adds like a cynical approach and it wants you to applaud it. Like the wall episode. The wall episode, it's literally uh, something like Escape from New York, a John Carpenter movie. It's just like every move of this story you can predict, even if you're not a movie buff or I don't know. It's just so cliched and it does nothing to make it I don't know, interesting, more than uh, Rick and Morty already has. For some reason, I think he hides behind the fact that it's a parody, man. It's a parody. And that's why I'm going to say that sometimes it kind of felt like he was taking it seriously. Not, not that he didn't know it's a parody, he did, but he was like so much into his parody that... He was also trying to prove a point in a way, which is sad if that's the case. It's one of those things that you think you're going to have a message and you want to say it. Because Rick and Morty also has that problem, that it has very surface level messages. Oh yeah, and oh my god. First of all, let's just get it over. Rick and Morty exists, and the humor exists, the world exists. So why do you go on and make a second show? Well, if you're making The Simpsons and do Futurama, you're doing a good job because those things are really different things in many ways. But when you do this, uh, you have not built a warm atmosphere that feels like, I don't know, all the other sitcoms. Like, there yeah. is not, there's no friendship or uh, just... I, I don't know how to say it, but you don't feel like they're family. It's just so uh, messed it's, up. It's one of those things that I can hear people who are defending it saying that, but that's the point that in sitcoms, the families are fake. We know that. Okay, if that's the point, the point has been proven once. Why do it twice with exactly the same formula? Exactly. I mean, you make like a parody of the show Cheers and you make yeah. make it like it's literally, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's like an antithesis to Cheers. Yeah. And it feels weird if the creators, I don't remember the name, Rob McElhan, I think, comes out and creates another show in a bar that's an antithesis to Cheers. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, you've done it once and you've done it good enough. Yeah, why go there again? Yeah. Which I brings us to surface level messages. Imperialism bad, consumerism bad. Okay. And while your whole show is just basically a big advertisement. And one of the messages they were trying, I think they were trying to say and i hope that wasn't the case because if that was the case that would be really really low i mean low with a capital l just bad uh there's this episode that pupa was it the dog kind of thing pupa yeah pupa yeah this thing goes uh, into an auction uh, 
I I think exotic creatures auction thing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. all the all the characters in cages are old cartoon characters like Disney characters. Paddington. Paddington. I don't know Warner Bros. Maybe. And the mother goose. They are these. Yeah, they're in goods. cages and. I felt like what he was trying to say was that the the patent holders or the creators of these characters are keeping them in cages in a way by not letting them reappear in maybe more modern facets. I if that to be honest, Paddington, I think is like it's a very old children's book. I'm not sure if it is in fact still in a copyright place. But it has a movie, so it might be. I'm just saying that if they were trying to say that these characters deserve to be freed from their mm. cages, that would be really low. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, I think the biggest message there was that the rich, they just, oh, those rich people and their crazy, crazy, crazy habits, they buy these mythical creatures and they, like, do stuff to them, which is, I don't know if you remember or not, but that's the plot of the claymation movie Pirates, which Queen Victoria was eating like extinct animals. <laughs> yeah, if anyhow, if that was the message, um, big thumbs down, that was just yeah messed up. But we've talked enough about Solar Up as, as much as I would like to rant about how many things this show doesn't get right and how it's nothing of importance yeah. it's just it's just extra fodder for the big fans of rick and morty and i'm sure they're going to glorify it but to me it's a cartoon that shouldn't exist but exists because hulu needed a show and justin roiland is hot exactly and it's just well okay it's not bad but it's eh, you know Show like a million other shows. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of other better cartoons. Exactly. There are better cartoons in streaming services. I mean, Bojack Horseman and Big Mouth, in my idea, both are better than the oh, sort of In some ways, even Paradise PD is kind of better <laughs> because it's different. I'm not saying the show is yeah. better. I'm just saying... By watching that, you get a you get a new thing. You get, you get to a see new sense very stupid humor. You get to see like yeah, the it's it's a different thing. humor. Yeah, but it's different, so it's better yeah, it's than different. great B humor of someone that's just making it hackneyed. But yeah. let's uh, let's uh, let's move to this one. I'm not going to say anything good about because it really sucks. And let's move to David Cage. I thought it's David Cage, but it was just recently brought to my uh, attention. That it's, yeah, uh, he's it's French. French. It's David. David. David Cage. Uh, where do I begin with David Cage and his megalomaniac personality? Um, let me uh, first. Let me. Clarify something. I've only played Indigo Prophecy. Oh, you mean but... uh, Fahrenheit or Indigo Prophecy? Yeah. Same game, different names in different regions, I think. Yeah, but uh, I have seen gameplays of Heavy Rain and Detroit Becomes Human and Beyond uh, Two Souls. Sadly, I have played all of his games. 
I haven't finished Detroit yet. I'm uh I'm playing it. I have started oh, playing it. Shit. But I've but I've played and finished all the other games more than once. Oh my god. Yeah. And I'm just going to say that what started as an interesting take on storytelling with Fahrenheit or Indigo Prophecy moved to technical graphics porn uh, in Heavy Rain and then a bloated false sense of confidence resulted in, my God, Beyond, which is beyond crap. Yeah, Beyond is really shitty. I mean, I was watching it and I was cringing. I couldn't imagine playing it. Oh my god. And then we have Detroit, which we're going to talk uh, about Detroit in particular. But let's just say, what are David Cage's creations? What is he trying to do? If you ask him, he will say emotions. (laughs) I'm just gonna say that if you look at his creations as video games... First of all, they're not video games, let's just be honest. I think the promise of early DVD that you could, you know, change the story, and not the story, the, I don't know, make decisions in a movie, that was in some ways more engaging and proactive than what you do in David Cage video games. They are chore simulators. And not even good chore simulators i mean exactly they have been better i played house uh what house flipper which you go around remodeling houses and sell them to people (laughs) and i think that was a better game so to understand why he's important these days because i'm pretty sure if this guy with his ideas had come at i don't know 2010 he would have never been given even a dollar but he started his career uh at what when was fahrenheit uh released let me just google that uh this is a 2005 video game so yeah it it adds up 2005 we had uh, a song called two i think that year (laughs) no i'm i'm just saying this because 2005 we had a lot of promises for dvd with giving us giving us different viewing angles giving us uh, you know a choice to drive the plot in different directions and result in different endings and basically none of that came and we were about to give up on that idea even though it was marketed and you know invested in by probably millions of dollars then this guy comes and says wait 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 maybe doing it in movie format is the right is the wrong way we should do it in video games. And I think the first one is the, the, uh, is published by Atari. Yeah, it's published by Atari. If I remember correctly, Indigo Prophecy, even the menu, wasn't new game. It was play movie. Uh, I don't remember that. I played it fairly recently. I didn't play it when it came out. I, uh, uh, because I was too young to play games that had nudity in them. I think I played it at 2007 or 8, two or three years after its release. To and... be honest, it's one of the... Can I just rant very quickly? It's one of those stupid things. People hype it up. It has nudity in it. It doesn't, first of all. I looked. It, that's, that's probably a thousand polygons at best in that scene. 
the nudity in Indigo Prophecy is it's worse than reading a romance novel. <laughs> yeah, but Fahrenheit, in my opinion, was a good experience. It should have been a one-off. Yeah, that should have been it. David Cage does Fahrenheit and that's it, the end. And that would have been an, a good experience. I'm not going to name it a video game because if you call his creations video games, I'm not going to give them even a zero out of a million because they will suck. And if you call them movies, they're going to suck because he's not a storyteller. He sucks at storytelling because of the reasons I will get into as we talk. But if you look at them as new ways of telling even that is not new. We've had books that would just, you know, uh, tell you to go to certain Choose your pages. own adventure. Yeah, and they're much older than him, his approach. I mean, I mean, visual novels are practically like this. Yeah, and the very reason he was able to get money for his idea and ambition was because that thing existed and people were like, let's do it in video games. So I'm not going to say it was new, but he was one of the first few people that did it in a big scale, at a, you know, you know, in a not triple A game, but double A perhaps. And uh, it, it was it was good graphics for the time. It had yeah, it, it was it, it had a team involved in making a big project. Yeah. That's it wasn't that an was... indie project that like two people in a room made. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's what makes this thing unique for its time. It was kind of a yeah. first in that regard, and it worked because the story was okay. The story was not the best but first of all it's 2005 not g great stories aren't a thing in video games and it's again 2005 it's just all the excess and idiocy of this guy works in that game because it's 2005 and the story is supernatural it doesn't take itself that seriously it knows its limits and even though the endings suck ass the endings, yeah. and a lot of people don't even reach that far. I'm pretty sure Indigo Prophecy is one of those games that has the most unfinished stat in the world. <laughs> Probably. You just get bored at some time and leave it. And then we move to Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain. <laughs> okay. Who is the origami killer? <laughs> oh my god. I think Heavy Rain became Heavy Rain for a few very obvious reasons. The first one is the graphics. The graphics Which were like... looks terrible now. Yeah, it does look terrible now, but I remember back then, it was it. It was the game to go to if you wanted graphics. It was just... PlayStation 3 was kind... Not new, PlayStation 3 was out 2006, but it was becoming a household item by then. And, and everyone just a thing that I'm not sure PlayStation 3 lost to Xbox that generation, yeah. right? That generation it really lost. I mean, it didn't lose as in oh, it lost like Xbox One did this generation, but it lost oh, because yeah. it was PlayStation. I mean, PS2 was the king, and then you have PS3, which is uh, doing just okay. Just okay is a loss. 
So this game was here to justify the cell architecture of the CPU. It was here to justify all that extra buck you put into this device. It was here to show us the promises of this new generation. It was just heralding a lot of hopes and whatever. And people were hyped and it was marketed like fuck. Oh, go on. Uh, I just want to mention that even though it's a, it might be a good graphic game then, but it has no style, which is why it looks terrible now, and I don't see any reason to go back to it. It has no graphical style, but Cage has tried to make the game appear kind of brownish, like autumnish, depressed kind of thing. Which, I, I mean, there are better games that do that. <laughs> Uh, and they okay. do have a style. I mean, Deadly Premonition, I think it, it came before that, right? I'm not sure about the release date. I remember but... that game a lot more than I remember Heavy Rain. Look, the, the only thing I remember way. from Heavy Rain, because I watched the gameplay, was the guy running around yelling, Sean, Sean, <laughs> Sean. <laughs> this game was a big deal even to me. Because of a few reasons. First of all, I had an Xbox and I didn't have a PlayStation, so I had to borrow my cousins for this game. And it was really hyped. The graphics looked really just out of this world back then. And also, PS3 had six axes. And that was a big deal. I mean, I know we had Wii, the console, but that was a big deal. I mean... In heavy rain. I know what you're talking about. The, the gimmick that for opening the door, I don't know, move the controller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and for, uh, for heavy rain, getting a PS3, seeing that graphics and uh, doing that things with your controller, it was all of those things together kind of overshadowed the limits and the shortcomings of the gameplay and the story. And the story. Yeah, and you were you were excited. You were excited. This is new technology. This is this is an advancement towards we better are days. living in the future. All that yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. And you were like, if this is this is happening now, what can we see ten years later? Well, guess what? You're gonna see Beyond and Detroit. Uh, <laughs> exactly. The exact yeah. same game, <laughs> but new gimmicks. Can I, can I ask a question? Yeah. I don't know that, so I'm asking. Did the, all the gimmicks that Heavy Rain did with the controller, any yeah. other good games did that? Uh, I don't think so, because they are uh, intrusive to gameplay. Not They don't add anything to the gameplay. They just fuck it up. But when your gameplay doesn't have anything else, you have to... At least make the player do stupid shit with their controllers. So, so it didn't even influence anything. Well, this isn't Heavy Rain's fault. We gotta be honest, it's Sony's fault. Sony has the greatest record in producing bullshit uh, controllers. I mean, great job. Six Axes basically didn't mean shit other than a few exclusive. And even that was limited to exclusives for, uh, you know, the early days of PlayStation 3. By the end of it, nobody gave a shit about the 
I mean, in Uncharted, the first one, you had to control the grenades with that sixth axis, and God, that just made you furious. It sucked. I mean, there was another way that you could do it without the motion controllers, and I always did that because it blew. It blew. Yeah. And uh, and it's topical because PlayStation recently announced a new controller that has a bunch of added bullshit. Oh, yeah. And everyone is again hyped about it. Oh, my God. I love, I love Xbox's uh, reaction. It, yeah, it's the same controller that we had before because our controller was the best controller ever made. The Xbox controller hands down the best controller out there and it yeah. can't be improved that much it's just the per- because we're humans we're not aliens the form factor is there you don't need to add anything crazy to that and then we had ps4 touchscreen lights for whatever the fuck reason and a speaker okay that was used in probably 10 games the speaker and the touchscreen uh I think the only good usage of the touchscreen was in the HD remaster of Okami, uh, one of my favorite games of all time, which was then again done much better in Nintendo DS and Switch. So, and even then, it's not like you can use it like that. It's still PS2, but sometimes it helps. So, the touchscreen, in my opinion, doesn't mean anything it doesn't add anything to any game the six axis is still useless and but it now, has all that bullshit in detroit yeah i'm gonna go there too so this controller is still after well it's been yeah it's been 14 years after 14 years all of these features don't mean shit and now not only do you keep them in your new controller you make the touchscreen bigger god why you make the lights bigger okay it's a nice aesthetic thing it looks good and now you just say dual sense ooh and i bet the dual sense they're talking about is just like giving a fancy name to new vibrations the same way apple has taptic touch engine you know <laughs> Just gentler vibrations, probably, which is gonna help you masturbate at much better uh, rates than a normal controller. Yes, you play like a high octane game, and it's 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 much cheaper than an actual vibrator. Uh, Yeah, and you can program it in with much better, you know, software. Part of the blame has to be pinned on Sony for creating bullshit controllers they're just i mean all of us have to pay for the components because some idiots thought they'd be cool in video games i mean if you really want to be creative with video gaming consoles look at nintendo and just shut up they're doing it they've been doing it great and every time they did a good job and they will continue doing a good job because they know what they're doing and they don't force these elements into their games when you were playing mario galaxy on Wii, you were enjoying it it wasn't torture yeah, yeah, and you're, when you're playing uh, Mario Odyssey on Switch... Oh, with all the... Odyssey on Switch, I'm sorry, sorry. Yeah, Odyssey is on Switch. It First of all, it doesn't force you to use the motion controls, and when you do, it's done perfectly good. It's, it's good. Yeah. It's not forced. 
So just maybe leave it to Nintendo and just produce a good form factor, which you finally did after millions of years. I mean, to be honest, if you look at it, Xbox has the best hardware, Sony has the best games, and Nintendo has the best consoles. Uh, I think the exclusive games on Sony are really good, but I can't. St- I, I'm gonna say the. The best games are still Nintendo, man. Nintendo, I mean, who could imagine? You can keep making Mario, Zelda, uh, Donkey Kong, I don't know, Kirby. I mean, look at Kirby. Who could even imagine Kirby could be a great game in 2018? It's just ridiculous, but it is. It's one of those things that, to be honest, I don't really like, and I know a lot of Nintendo fans probably kill me because of it, but I really don't like Nintendo games. Uh, I know why you don't like him. I, I know why you don't In like him. In my defense, so you, can, so you can ridicule me. I am a Bethesda fanboy, so ridicule away. No, it's not about that. I know why you don't like them. That's because you're not a gamer. And yeah. by gamer, I mean Nintendo games don't have stories at all. They're just non-existent. And the atmosphere is just child games. I mean, look at them. Colorful. So it's all, it's all gameplay. It, it, also, it also helps that I never had a... Yeah, yeah. Not I having a Nintendo console does... But, yeah. you know, I know your story-oriented kind of person. Story is really important to you. Stories, different yeah. worlds, atmospheres, the arts. Well, that kind of doesn't exist in Nintendo. I mean, it's beautiful. Exactly. The art is great, but it's Nintendo. It's just, if you don't like that art, you can't enter Nintendo. It's quintessential gaming. It's literally come for the gameplay. Exactly. But me being a gamer... And really, 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 the only thing that I do care about in the game is the gameplay. I gotta say, one of the best games out there. The gameplay mechanics, the whole thing is just so smooth and so well built. It's like a, it's like a, you know, Swiss watch. It's just everything works perfectly. I can't if, argue with that. Yeah, so the gameplay is amazing. And if you can get along with the fact that there's no story, which I happily do because I'm here to play a game. I'm not here to uh, experience anything else. But we're digressing we're from our yeah, main point. <laughs> to be honest, I wanted to say this, yeah, this tagline that it's Sony's fault for making a shitty controller, but it wasn't Sony's fault for making a shitty game. Exactly. They contributed to that shitty game. The same way Kinect contributed to Peter Molyneux's biggest lie. Oh my god. Let's not talk about Peter Molyneux. Yeah. Yeah. I can insult this guy for two days straight and just release that. Listen, I love the man. I love his game. But I can do that also. He has given us a lot of good things and a lot of bad things and a lot of good things that would have been great if he hadn't promised much more than they were. So, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Let's give him for another episode. Yeah, it's just Pierre Molyneux, the harbinger of hate and love, love-hate relationship. Detroit. So I just recently started playing this game and it's 
first of all, the graphics aren't there anymore. When you were playing Heavy Rain, it killed you. But you're now you're playing this game and you're like, so where's the where's the progress? Because we we have a lot of games that look as good or much better than this. We have had God of War, we have had Horizon, we have had Red Dead Redemption. Even Spider-Man. GTA V looks kind of better than this game, and that game came five years before this. One of the things that kind of gets on my nerve, I don't know why, it's a minor thing, but Clancy Brown's hair, the uh, police lieutenant, that... Yeah, I know. It, it, it looks really bad. I mean, <laughs> really bad. It yeah, looks the like... hair generally, I mean, if you... I personally think the best hair I've ever seen in a video game to date can be found in Uncharted games. I mean, Uncharted 4. When you look at the hair in Uncharted, oh my god, it's perfect. And definitely uh, The Last of Us 2 will give us the best hair yet. And Naughty Dog Dog has perfected the art of making hair. But but looks it it looks like ps2 graphics for some reason it the character like itself it. looks weird i mean it's, I, it's classy brown it's a it's an actor i don't i know i know I'm, and i know it's an android and it's not supposed to be lifelike that much but no 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 not the android not the android yeah i know the uh, other guy oh 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 the the aging guy yeah yeah the aging guy okay uh looks yeah i gathered lovely. yeah because i have problems with the android too well that guy yeah it's not limited to his hair i mean look at his look at his face it's a shitty actor the android guy i know yeah. he's an android but all, the girl is also an android and the other black guy is the android yeah they're better actors yeah Better actors. This guy is just a shitty actor. What I meant, Clancy Brown, the uh, Asian yeah, guy. Yeah, I gathered. Yeah, everything about that guy looks like early PS3 games. And uh, why? I don't know. And why is there a blurred effect every part of the screen? It kind of gives you a headache or makes you feel nauseated or something. It's weird. It's not aesthetic. It's it's there to show we didn't create a big world and you have to focus on things I want you to focus on. And Which my... is a problem with David Cage and Telltale Games that they seem like, okay, we are going to give you an option to do anything you want, but as long as you follow this path that I put out for you. Yeah, they're very limiting. And, okay, uh, so this game, I'm not going to spoil the story, but it's about Detroit... In 2038, is it? Or 35? Anyhow, it's not that far into the to future. Honest, to be honest, I'm going to spoil it. Have you seen Blade Runner? Have you <laughs> seen iRobot? You have played Detroit Becomes Human. Have you it's read... Let's feelings. go back maybe a hundred years. Have you read sci-fi books of those days? Have you read uh, Asimov? Have you, have you read Mary Shelley's Frankenstein? <laughs> Anyhow, so... Tale as old as fucking time. The premise is that Detroit, once uh, the automobile uh, city, has turned into Android City. And the androids are taking... Taking people jobs! Taking the jobs of everyone in America. 
Yeah, the tucker tubes. Yeah, and uh, and we have three kind of main stories. One one is a, a is an artist. The other one is like junkie with his daughter, and the other one is a detective android. And yeah. they will they will come together at certain points, then then get far from each other again. But then it's just intertwined, supposedly. It's and literally just. Asking you the same old questions about AI. Can an Android create art? Can an Android love? Can an Android defy order? And oh my God, let's just let's just say that David Cage is a fucking idiot with the emotional intelligence of a two-year-old. Yeah. Because in this game, yeah, in this game. First of all, it wants you to root for the androids in the worst. It forces it into your mouth. It just rapes you to feed you this. It's the same approach that bad uh, race movies have. Movies that talk about racial issues. The bad ones. The first thing they do is like show a Ku Klux Klan member, and you realize, oh yes. Yeah, I mean. No human in this world is a good guy. You control yeah. the androids. You walk in the street. The protesters beat you up. The junkie father is so kitschy. I mean, he defines kitschy characters to me. Black and white writing. The guy doesn't leave you any room for sympathy. He's just... Exactly. Are humans like that? And even if there are humans like that... Should we portray them in works of art in 2018? I mean, come on, it isn't 1950s. He might have as well made him Russian to check all the marks. You show the good and the bad. The reason we look at a abusive character to go back to our previous subject, Corvo in Solo Opposites is an abusive character. Yeah. But you see him vulnerable, and you realize, okay, I may like him yeah i mean these guys are either really good or yeah. really bad i think david cage might suffer from splitting the psychoanalysis kind of thing that he sees <laughs> things in binary seriously i mean you can't be this big of an idiot humanity it's either really good or it's really bad there is no in between <laughs> yeah and for whatever reason these androids i mean why the fuck would an android that is capable of doing everything be used as a mannequin? Is the shop owner retarded to pay top dollar for something that's just there as a mannequin? Why would he buy that when we could just, you know, just make the aesthetics of a human a mannequin, which has been... Why do we need to replace mannequins? And even if we do... Why do we need to get the same model that can create, I don't know, any work of art? So the, I wrote an essay a long time ago about AI, and I said the most stupid plot hole in almost most sci-fi stories about AIs comes down to this. We create AI, we give it ability to destroy us, and then we limit that and say, please don't destroy us. Why we, Why do you give mannequins the ability to do that in the first place? I'm not saying it's stupid to do that. I'm saying it's 
costly to do that when you can do it with a retarded mannequin that only stands and turns around if that's all you want to do. Yeah, and then androids are just shown as basically androids in Detroit are African Americans in early 1910s and 20s in America. They're slaves. It's before that, dude. 1860s, I think. Yeah, yeah, I just remembered. I just remembered Abraham Lincoln. But yeah, but uh, they are slaves. They are... Some parts are 1920. I, I that the reason I made the mistake is that some parts are 1920s, like no androids allowed, and some parts on the box. Yeah, and some yeah. parts are slave markets, which are 1860s and something like that. So yeah, it's the come. It but it looks at them as slaves. It's the struggle of African Americans. In androids, if one can put it that way. Again, go back to our earlier subject. It's a very surface level message. It's a very surface level allegory. Yeah, and then there's the atmosphere of this game. Oh my god. Okay, so I'm an android. People have lost their jobs because of me. But for whatever reason, every bathroom I go to or every room I see is either a human writing ban androids every part of the goddamn bathroom or an android writing I'm alive or I feel too. I mean, oh my god, are you five years old, David Cage? What is this? It's like, it's like the guy that watches Elephant Man for the first time and I am not an animal. Jesus. I'm a human being. <laughs> I feel it too. I mean, screaming it and writing it yeah, all I, over the wall. I've seen it. And this guy, David Cage, apparently loves fat people that are abusive and assholes. I've seen the character in all of his creations. And this game doesn't even let you replay a mission before you finish the game. And this is one of the other this is one of the other problems I have with David Cage. He always insists that these games are an experience and you only need to play them once and leave them alone after that. And you shouldn't look at them as video games where you can replay it and change it. And then again, after each mission, it gives us a map of how much choices we've had that we haven't touched. And it kinda kinda uh you know gives us a reason to replay the game. But doesn't let us do it right I mean, away. If, if you can't, if you can't replay a game, why do you pay sixty dollars to play it? Thank you. And why would we not? Why does he want us not to play his games again? I think that's because he knows that he tells us there are multiple uh, storylines, but in exactly. fact there are probably only two or three. So we will realize that he was lying to us. Like, if we do something, like, let's just say in Heavy Rain, there was this mission that, uh, I don't remember the character's name, but uh, the father. His hand would get uh, shot. Yeah, shot. Yeah, and no matter what you did, his hand would either get shot or broken. His hand would become useless. So you, the storyline would be the same, just different reason. I mean, isn't that lying... This is this is exactly what Telltale does too. But Telltale, at least, at least they have better stories. Not in all of their titles, but they have given us good stories. Yeah, but, uh, 
But the problem is with Telltale and with David Cage is that, okay, you seem to really like telling this one story. Yeah. Why didn't you make an animated movie? Yeah. But at least, I mean, we had Wolf Amongst Us and, I don't know, Borderlands. We had few good stories in Telltale, but David Cage, we haven't had a good story. He wants you to feel, but... He miserably fails, and oh my god, I mean, I'm playing this game, so when you're playing this game, you're either controlling the character in different environments, or you're, it's QTA, quick time action events, you know, press the circle, press X, press square here, uh, shake your controller, I don't know, uh, swipe the touch screen, and I just feel like an idiot when I'm playing this game. It's gimmicks. He knows there is no gameplay, so he tries to force it in. And the world is fucked. There are invisible walls everywhere, and if there's, like, a vacuum cleaner in your way, you can't go there, or if there's a character in front of you, there's a radius that you can't get close to, and when the character is programmed to walk a certain path, if you're in the path, you will be forced like in star wars away from his walking path i mean these are the things that had to be gone in ps2 not to be seen in 2018 on ps4 it's a shame it's a shame that this is a game just remind me detroit came out the same year god of war did i think it did not only god of war but surprise surprise red dead redemption oh my god honestly how? <laughs> I think it's one of those things. As an as an as a writer and filmmaker, it's one of those things that you kind of re- imagine. Like when in 1971, yeah, how did people think we're going to make movies and then went and saw Godfather and then continued with making movies? <laughs> it's this. I mean, well, the problem is that they were making movies. David Cage is not making video games. He's making shit, interactive shit. Yeah. He's making. I mean, how against? You look at the year that had God of War and Red Dead Redemption 2, and you say, I'm going to make like this tech demo that isn't a tech demo. I think the only thing tech demo about it is the menu I've heard. (laughs) Yeah, the menu is supposedly all oh, interesting, but after a while it becomes becomes irritating. Uh, okay, some poor 3D artist spent like 200 hours putting freckles and speck of skin on a wire model. Uh, yeah. Well done. And let's just remember the tech behind Heavy Rain and also Beyond and Detroit and the tech that was developed by an Australian company for L.A. Noir the Rockstar game, and boy, have oh. they all failed, because they suck. We're not here to look at the details on the face of the characters in a video game. We're here, I'm talking about myself, first of all, for the gameplay, and then for the story and the feels of it. And if that can be done in GTA San Andreas with that graphics, I'm sure frickles aren't the most important part about a video game. Exactly. I mean, when you have more emotional connection to 
I don't know, your horse in Stronghold 2 <laughs> than you have with any character in Detroit. You're doing something wrong. I don't know why it exists. I mean, Sony has a great repertoire of games. They have Horizon, they have God of War, they have Little Big Planet, they have Dreams, they have Spider-Man, they have um, Yakuza, they have... Uh, there are a lot of games. Why am I drawing blanks? Uh, they have Infamous, they have... They have a few titles that you would buy a console just to play that one title. And Detroit... I, I know, as, a, as an avid PC gamer, I have been tempted to buy a console just to play God of War. Yeah, they're that good. All of them are doing something really right. I mean, God of War. And without putting like 200 hours into Freckles and... Yeah, and I forgot hair. about Uncharted and The Last of Us. I mean, there are a lot... It's a catalog of great games. And, I mean, look at it. The Last of Us came in 2013. It's been seven years. The second one is coming. And we still love the game. It had great music. It had great storytelling. And the gameplay, while it was a bad gameplay, it was a game. It didn't suck playing that game. It was enjoyable. Not enjoyable enough for you to play it three times, but enjoyable for the first time. But playing Detroit is agony. Every second is agony. I'm just, I feel like a retard when I'm playing this game. It's not a game, playing this shit. It's, it's one of those things that I had this problem also with Telltale games, that they create characters with very specific personalities, and then they ask you to put yourself in their shoes. I can't do that, because he's not... And even when I do, it doesn't result in much difference. Yeah, because the thing is, for example, in Detroit, I'm not going to do this thing. Well, you're not giving me the option to not do this thing. <laughs> okay, in Last of Us, or let me, in, oh, in one of my favorite story games, Bioshock Infinite, Booker has a very specific character, but the game doesn't treat you like, okay, but you can't be Booker. You can do whatever you want. No, yeah. You do what Booker does. It doesn't give you the illusion of freedom. Yeah. And it just tells you that's it. Yeah, that's it. Booker is Booker. You don't want it, fuck you, fuck off. You know, it, it's the same as when your parents tell you, you can be whatever you want, but in action, they limit what you can be and want to be in many ways. David Cage and Telltale are like that. They tell you, you can do whatever you want, but, you know, the level is this small and also a few options and also uh, all of them are the same thing, so yeah. Basically, there's only one thing. I think this uh, episode is going to be, even after the edits, an hour long. It's okay. Most podcasts are. And this is yet another shitty podcast. <laughs> okay, but as much as I would like to, you know, ramble on about how, how much Detroit sucks and shouldn't exist, and how much I hate David Cage and his emotional immaturity and retardness. And also 
talk about a few other things like Cuphead and things like that. I, I guess we'll have to talk about that. I think we can keep them for the next episode, Cuphead. Yeah, next episode. Because I have a but personal history also with Cuphead. To sum up, Solar Opposites. Good show. Decent show. It's okay. Watch it. It's not that long. Exactly. In quarantine, what else you're going to do at this? Yeah. Get a watch. And also, if you're a fan of Justin Roiland and Rick and Morty, it doesn't hurt. It's cool. It, it'll make you laugh a few times. It has a few good jokes. Yeah. And Detroit, stay the fuck away. It's just... Yeah. Even if you have that game and if you've played it, I wish there was a mini black stick that would, we all would forget playing this shit. I haven't, Just, I haven't played it for it, but don't even watch it on YouTube because I have. Yeah, it's just... Just stay away from David Cage and everything he has made or will make in the future. Just, just, just like you know, pretend he doesn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> it'll make the world a much better place. A much better place. I mean, when we when we go like to the root of it, it's yet another instance of French people are very shitty artists. <laughs> and being shitty, they think. They are the best in the world. It's a combination of stupidity, being shitty, and being a megalomaniac at the same time. Exactly. Nothing good comes out of that. Nothing good. Exactly. All the things that were good came out a while ago. Let's just nuke France. This is my, uh, this is my manifesto. Nuke France. I mean, we are going to lose Eiffel Tower, but I bet you Germans can make a better one. Wow. Yeah. That sounds more neo-Nazi than it should, but okay. It's against French people. Yeah, but it's what neo-Hitler would say. Yeah, exactly. You are watching the birth of neo-Hitler on yet another yeah. shitty podcast. It was fun yeah. talking. Yeah, it was. And I hope more than five people listen to this in its entirety. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Which I highly doubt, though. Bye. Bye.